Hey everyone, and hope all is well out in your world. Grateful for y'all listening in on another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I am your host, Brian Andreco. Thanks again for being a part of this journey. Before we jump into this great interview, this really wide-ranging interview I'm excited to jump into here in a minute, I did want to make another mention, you know, something I've been doing this whole year. Um, I've been so fortunate to have a lot of great mentors or people that I can just lean on in life and share insight and, and kind of get feedback from them or bounce ideas off. And I want to do that more with the listeners. I've had some great interactions with some of the listeners, and I want to open that up to everyone that listens to this podcast. So what I've done is, um, to make it easy, go to my website, brianandraco.com forward slash contact. You'll see a drop down for a 15-minute call. Go ahead and put your name in there and an email and send me a note, and then we'll connect on uh, scheduling. But I'm just excited to meet more of the listeners, learn about your story, your journey, things that are going on in your world, and bounce ideas back and forth, or if I can help in any way or vice versa, um, I think it'll be really cool to uh, to interact and meet some of y'all. So go ahead and do that if you'd like, and uh, certainly look forward to uh, connecting further. Now, let's get on to the interview in my chat with Sophie Barron, who is an unbelievable gal. I'm so excited to get a chance to chat with her. We've been trying to set this up for many months now, and She's been crazy busy uh, launching her new company, The Conversationalist, uh, which is basically a, it's a content company designed to empower you know, Gen Z with multiple points of view on a variety of topics, uh, really that young adults struggle with. You know, think of everything from body image to you know, mental health, those type of things. Um, so she wants to have kind of more substantive um, conversations, really kind of get in the nitty gritty, but you know, have some things that people are comfortable about talking with. And also stretch that comfort zone a little bit. So I like what she's doing. I mean, her, her really goal is to unify the world. And she's definitely doing that with, uh, with this approach as well as some other things uh, that she's got in her plate. So excited for you all to meet Sophie if you don't know her. Or if you do know Sophie, hear a little bit more about her journey and some of the things that are going on in her world. So I'm excited to jump right into it. And I hope you guys enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Sophie Barron. Let's get it started. Sophie, awesome to connect with you. Glad we finally made this work. Brian, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat about your journey a little bit. I know you're, you know, we met through the Next Gen group. Um, that probably comes up, seems like every other podcast episode, we talk about Next Gen and the great community that is uh, Next Gen. So glad that we got connected there. Um, I wanted to jump right into the deep end to begin, and then we'll kind of go on some tangents from there, if that's okay. Let's because do it. one of the things is, you know, doing some research about what you're kind of all about and what you're doing, you know, you talk about wanting to unify the world. That's a big mission. What does that mean to you? And, and I guess, why is that your mission? Where, where did that come from? Of course. And I'm sure, you know, first and foremost, it's a huge part of Rich Keller's philosophy. I drink the Rich Keller tea through and through. Rich Keller has been my life mentor, who I also met through the Next Gen community. Um, and through doing a deep dive with him over the course of last year, I was able to really figure out that my core value that I can bring to any situation, any space that I enter, is that I am a unifier. And everything I try to do throughout my life involves bringing people together. So Although unifying the world sounds very lofty, in my mind, it just gets down to the simple notion of bringing people together. So in everything that I do throughout growing up in Kansas, now living in New York, going to school, starting a nonprofit, now launching a new business, everything I try to accomplish 
really involves bringing people together so that at the end of the day, I can try to unify the people around me. Um, because I really believe that if we can come together, we can start solving the world's biggest issues. So that's really what it means to me to be a unifier. And I think it was really unique going through Rich Keller's philosophy and his workbook to really discover that even when I was a little girl, I used to walk around and tell every single person that I ran into that I was going to be the first woman president. And growing up, I was, I had such a strong conviction that I was going to be first woman president. And Rich was able to analyze that even in that notion of wanting to be the president growing up, the, the basic premise of what the presidency does is to unify the people. And so through that deep dive, I was really able to understand that through every situation and every chapter of my life, I've just been trying to bring people together. So that's what it means to me. Rich is an amazing human being. He's uh, yeah, I've heard, I, I've, I've heard you've been working with him. I have. I actually just defined my one word. And I actually know your one word. Do you? I do. Do you well, want to reveal it? Should I reveal it? Sure. I, I talked about, I think, on another episode recently. But yeah, the, the one word is a navigator. And, uh, and we, kind of, we kind of leveled on that. And, and there's a, a similar to what you'd mentioned, you know, I think going back to childhood and really looking about you know, kind of wanting to help people and wanting to be able to, you know, not only navigate my own challenges, but really help other people navigate their challenges and things that they want to do in life and kind of being almost a, a light or a guide for them in, in a variety of ways, talking through things, listening, you know, giving some sound advice if I can, those type of things. And that's kind of how we settled on navigator among other reasons. So, which was pretty neat. That's a great word. Is there anything like now in the work that you're doing that you feel is particularly strong about the word navigator? Well, yeah, it's actually, so part of the things I'm doing, so I, I won't get into the, the business I, I want to start, or I'm going to be starting this year, but the big thing right now is I'm finishing up a children's book, uh, which is almost complete, but I'm also writing a book this entire year. Um, it's based on this premise of, I, you know, I'm kind of calling it quote unquote, the dozen months of discovery. So every month I'm doing a different challenge or learning a new skill. Like for instance, this month is a digital detox. I haven't been on social media since the clock struck 12 on, uh, on New Year's and, uh, and I won't wow. be on until February. So, the, but the, the reason is, it's to really um, kind of show people that even someone like myself, you know, consider myself average, like I'm not anything, anything great in the world, right? I just continue to believe in myself and have confidence that I could help the world and change it in a better, more positive way. What could other people do if they just invest a few weeks or a month in, in learning something that they want to learn? So that's the whole premise to kind of write this book this whole year based on this, these challenges and skill development. So that's one of the big things that's right off the top of my head I'm thinking of. I love that. Do you have all of the challenges planned out already for every month? I have all of them penciled in. Although I may change one or two, like I was even thinking about today, like, oh, do I want to change one and do something a little bit different? Um, but they're all based on things that are important for me in my life. So whether it's, um, again, beginning, becoming a beginner learner again, which is something I'm really fascinated with, uh, because I think once we, we get so comfortable and you probably know this, especially the stuff you're doing, you get so comfortable, right? That's why I like the conversations you're having about these things that we don't talk about much. We kind of stay in our own lane of like things that are just comfortable to us. So getting out, like for instance, in March, I'm learning Spanish. Um, and, and it's really cool because like I failed Italian in high school. So it's kind of one of those stories that, Hey, you know what, even a kid that failed Italian was not a good student. 
can learn a language and learn it a decent amount in 30 days. So that's amazing. Yeah. So there's some different things with that, you know, like health and fitness is important to me. Like I'm doing one month where I'm, um, you know, taking sugar out, or I think I'm, it's like 20 grams or less of sugar a day, you know, stuff of that nature, uh, uh, no plastic months. So no single use plastics in the month of July. So there's some different stuff. That's kind of cool. Um, we'll I see. I'm, I'm one week into it. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Let's talk, let's talk in yeah. June and see where I am. Uh, when I we get the, when we go to the next, next gen summit in June, we'll, uh, we'll see if I've, I've kept my promise to myself and kept going. I can't wait. But even the digital detox is so important. And it's yeah. amazing that you've kept up with it up to this point. Well, I know. And that's something too. I know with, you know, what you're doing, you guys talk about how, you know, social media, right? There's a big stigma there, if you will, but there, you know, maybe a lot of positives from years ago, but now they're, you know, starting to see a lot of the detriment of what social media, there's, there's definitely positives, but there are a lot of negatives. Can you go into that? Like, I'm curious some of the topics that you're talking about with the conversational list, um, not only around social media, but a variety of stuff. Um, I think you guys did one on body image, like all of this different stuff that really are important topics to talk about. How, how do you come up with some of these topics? Why have they been important for you? Of course. So we just wrapped up season one of the first round of content on our platform. And again, we are a content platform at The Conversationalist to empower Gen Z to have conversations that matter. Like you were saying, we're all about diving into the uncomfortable. And as we decided what our first topics would be back in October, we did a survey and surveyed over 500 Gen Zers across the country and really wanted to know what topics they felt needed to be spoken more about and what topics they didn't feel they were able to speak about with their friends or in a classroom setting. And the number one topic that came out of that survey was mental health. And so we knew first and foremost, we wanted to start big. We didn't want to start with something a little bit easier. Um, we really wanted to go for it. So we started with mental health. Um, and the second highest scoring topic on that survey was body image. And so from taking those two topics, we decided to build 12 weeks of content around those two larger umbrella topics. And the way that we interestingly structure our platform is that those topics sound very overwhelming when you first hear them. So we wanted to find ways to bring them down to earth, make them relevant and exciting and digestible for all of our, our users and our audience. So what we did is we kind of analyzed the landscape of what's going on in the world, what's relevant, what's connecting to these topics. And so we broke down the larger umbrellas of mental health and body image into these smaller bite-sized weekly content themes that each corresponded to a current event in the world. So for example, with mental health, instead of just talking about what that means overall, every week we discussed mental health and we covered it for six weeks, we took a different angle. So as you were saying about social media, we found that one of the biggest subtopics that young adults wanted to speak about within mental health is the connection between mental health and social media. So we did some research and we realized that something going on in the world that was relevant to kind of discuss the topic through was that Instagram was piloting this new feature to remove likes on the platform. And a lot of the research showed that Instagram was interested in removing this feature to hopefully positively impact our mental wellness. So we spent a whole week talking about the context between mental health and social media and what our thoughts are about Instagram's potential new feature. And now a couple of months later, they've announced that they're going to bring it to the U.S. So we're really trying to make it relevant and fun to talk about these potentially intimidating topics. From a mental health side, like what are some things, what kind of goes under that when you talk about mental health? What are some 
besides the topics of you know, social media and those type of things, what's kind of, for folks that are out there, what can they expect from mental health that you're talking about in terms of the actual, is it, is it, a, I don't know, I probably sound dumb here. Is it a disease? Is it a, what, what's the category, I guess, if you will, I don't know enough about it. So that's what I'm asking. Yeah, of course. And it's really unique for me. And I feel so lucky because through all of these conversations that I've been having and putting into practice, I've learned so much that I didn't even understand before. So in looking at the large two word phrase that is mental health, I think the biggest takeaway that we've been able to categorize mental health as is that every single person has mental health. Everyone should be concerned about their own mental wellness and every single person has mental health. And I think what we don't understand is that we need to be able to develop a language and a terminology around the term so that we can prevent mental health from progressing into mental illness. So if you think about, I I learned this genius analogy from my friend Haley Jacobson, um, who talked about how mental health is like a cold. And if you leave a cold untreated, it could develop into something far worse. It could become bronchitis, it could become pneumonia. So if we can really diagnose the symptoms and be able to reach out to those around us and understand what could be developing into something far worse, then we could really help those around us who are struggling with mental health issues. Because at the end of the day, we all have mental health. And so it's a matter of prioritizing our own health and knowing how to talk about it in a way that breaks down the stigma. So that's really what I've kind of coined as the mental health chapter on our platform. And so every week we took a different angle by which we could talk about mental health to make it a little bit more comfortable to talk about. Yeah. I like how you digested that. That was good. So the mental health, you don't want it to turn into mental illness. That's where I was. I think that's where I was leading. Um, but you got there in a lot better way. So, so I appreciate of that. Of course, It's tricky. I mean, it's a, it's a controversial topic that a lot of people don't even know how to broach half the time. So we're just trying to make it We're trying to make these topics seem accessible and really develop the confidence in these young adults to feel like they can go out and speak about these topics um, to really start bridging those gaps and again, unifying with the people around them. Yeah, that's really great. Is there anything you guys learn from the process of like, like what are some things folks can do to improve their mental health right away? Maybe there's one or two simple things that um, should be obvious, but maybe we don't think about all the time. So again, I am not a mental health expert. I wish that I was, but I think through all of the conversations I've had and hearing from experts and different people who have really struggled personally with mental health and mental illness, I think one of the biggest things to understand is that a mental health journey and a recovery journey looks different for everyone. So I think it's easy to kind of put everything into a box, but in thinking about you know, ameliorating our own mental health, it's important to understand that everyone's mental health journey looks different from another's. Um, And so in thinking about that, I've been able to really understand that, you know, what might work for someone might not work for another person. And it's a very individualized process. So the more we can really be there for one another and really reach out and offer a listening ear, but also just say that you know that your experiences are different than mine. It could help that one person in knowing that they can open up. Um, And I think it was just important to understand that every single journey is different than another because I kind of came into this thinking that mental health and mental illness was all in one category. And I think understanding that everyone can view the topic differently, but also experience it differently was really important in knowing how to take those steps. Um, And then that kind of carries into the idea that self-care 
is different for everyone. Um, and we oftentimes see self-care all over social media and the people around us as drinking a green juice or going to yoga or meditating. And oftentimes don't, those aren't tactics that work for everyone. So um, it was just interesting to understand that all of these topics, but especially mental health in particular, are so individualized. Um, what about you? How, what are your perceptions around mental health? I don't, you know, I don't know. I really just try to be positive and optimistic and look at the world through that lens. Um, I, you know, I prioritize fitness and nutrition and sleep. Um, I do meditate. So I, I don't know. It's something I haven't thought about as much um, just because again, personally, you know, maybe folks around me, but like personally, I've really tried to focus on just not looking at the negative side of things. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it seems like it's worked for me um, where it hasn't turned into um, kind of the deeper thing that you'd mentioned. I'm not, that cold is not turning into something deeper because I'm not allowing it, I guess. I don't know. But I only could speak of myself, I guess, on that. Like I said, I'm not educated in this area. So it probably doesn't sound right. too intelligent, whatever I'm saying. <laughs> no, I think that's great. And you kind of hit on exactly what I was saying, that at the end of the day, we can only speak about our own experiences and I don't know. It's been really interesting to open my eyes to so many things I hadn't considered before. So I'm excited to keep learning. We're going to cover mental health again this year during Mental Health Awareness Month because it's just such an important topic, but especially for Gen Z um, and the young adults of today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the other things I will add is sleep portion has been massive. I mean, sleep has really been the game changer. And, you know, I follow this guy, he's, he's out there pretty well, Matthew, Dr. Matthew Walker, he wrote this great book, Why We Sleep. It's just fascinating. And it, and it really is interesting of how much if you put the right amount of sleep, um, and it's quality sleep, how much that affects the rest of your day and in the weeks and months to follow. So anyways, that's something I don't know if that what the correlation is. I know there's a, a decent one. But that would be something I'd encourage anyone is if you're not getting your sleep, or it's not consistent that'd be something to look into, at least if you want to get more educated uh, in that subject. At least I, I did when I, I was eye-opening to me. Absolutely That's fascinating great. to me, the world of sleep. So. Oh my gosh, of course. How many hours do you get a night? I average about eight a night. And I, awesome. I think part of it, um, and, and really I took, you know, Dr. Walker, when I think I listened to him on Joe Rogan a couple of years back when I first heard about him. But you know, one of the things for me is I wasn't consistent with it. You know, some nights I'd go to bed at, you know, 10 o'clock, other nights it'd be 1230. Other nights, you know, you're kind of, his big thing is try to go to bed in a similar time. So for me, it's really about 10 to 1030 most nights. Um, and I try to get at least, you know, eight hours of sleep. Because one of the things that I didn't realize, this is going on a way tangent, but what I didn't realize early on was going to bed and sleeping are two different things. So some people are like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to sleep at 11 o'clock. Well, getting into bed at 11 o'clock, you're not actually asleep. It might take you 15, 20, 30 minutes, maybe longer to actually fall asleep. So you can't say, oh, I'm going to go to bed at 11 and wake up at six. And I got my seven hours of sleep because the reality is you're probably getting a lot less than that. So that was, that was eye-opening for me. That's awesome. And I'm sure the social media detox is helping with that because I oftentimes get into bed, but then end up finding myself in a TikTok hole for another hour. Um, you know, there's so many things that distract us. And so I really admire all that you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. One of the things that, that's actually interesting because a few months back, I started to notice that I was having some trouble falling asleep and I got about 50 ideas just running through my head at any time. So it's challenging 
if I had nothing going on. Uh, but yeah, what I, what I had made a decision to do one is I take the, uh, so even when I was on social media, no social media, um, and really no TV or anything. Like I have YouTube TV. I don't watch a ton of TV or Netflix or anything, but like no watching that on my phone. If I'm going to watch it, I need to leave the bedroom because I didn't want to associate the bedroom with entertainment, watching TV, those type of things. Because again, that plagues in your mind. So that was one of the big things I took out. And I actually started reading, um, which is odd because I never read books. I think I read the most books ever this past year. I think I read like six. And I just finished my first book of uh, 2020, which is pretty cool. Um, wow. Have you, have you uh, picked up Bob Iger's book, The Ride of a Lifetime? I He's have the, it. the Disney CEO. It's a, it's a really good book. It talks about okay, his whole journey. He literally started at ABC as the, the lowest of the low employee. And now he's been the CEO of Disney for, I think, 15 years. But really I fascinating leadership, um, uh, things that, you know, how he worked with Steve Jobs to get the Pixar deal. There, there's just a lot of great things in there. So um, again, I'd recommend that for, I don't read a lot of books, so there's probably a million out there, maybe better, but that was one that it was an easy read through um, and, and definitely interested to get to the next chapter each time. So that's do you, read a, do you read a lot of books or? So that's definitely on my New Year's resolutions list. Um, I think ever since I graduated college, I always had this negative association with reading and always thinking of it as schoolwork. And so I have so many beautiful books on my bookshelf and I end up reading a chapter or two and then going to another book and I have a hard time finishing them. Um, so my goal is to really start reading. I want to do a book a month this year. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, but I, I was just reading a really fascinating book over break um, called Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, it's his new book. It's really fascinating. So when I try to read, I at least try to read something that will open up my eyes to something new about the world of conversation um, to really use it as a way to kind of fill in the gaps and be a sponge to all the things that I just don't know. Um, so I want to check so out Bob Iger's book. Yeah, absolutely. Is there certain folks you lit? Because obviously you're doing a podcast and you're doing other stuff from a content standpoint. Do you did you did you always want to like interview folks growing up? Did you have any passion with that, or is that just something that just happened? So I think I always had a curiosity um, and a desire to learn from others and learn about other stories, but I didn't necessarily have a desire to interview people growing up. Um, I think through learning about what the conversationalist could become it opened up that avenue to have these conversations in practice because i really have a passion for the actual conversations themselves but i didn't necessarily picture being on this journey of interviewing people um so i've really loved it what about you yeah it's something it's interesting i always used to and i still do i love interview shows like i i still joke but it's fa it's ac actually factual is I used to watch it with my grandmother, like Regis and Kathy Lee back in the day. Uh, Regis Fildner was one of my, it's probably one of my favorites of all time. But um, yeah, I used to watch that. I used to watch like Letterman growing up, um, all those type of shows. Even now, like if I have the chance, I'd ra like I'd rather sit and watch um, like a David Letterman that he, you know, on Netflix or, you know, even uh, Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I'd rather watch that over just like some, you know, watching old episodes of The Office or something, even though those are phenomenal. But like, I would rather watch more of an interview style show for some whatever reason. I used to watch Oprah a lot growing up as well with her. Wow. Um, so like, there's different stuff that I just, I don't know, it, it just always was in me to want to do that. So when I actually started the podcast a couple of years ago, that's why I made it an interview platform. I just love 
I love learning about other people, right? I just love learning what they're about and why they tick and what's on their mind. Cause I think that's, that's a great way. If you're in your box and you only, you know, you're, this is the problem with social media today. We're talking about social media is right. The stuff that gets recommended is all things that you like. You never have a chance to learn outside of like, there's a lot of different you know, things out there in the world to culture yourself and have a different worldview. So that's one of the things that's important for me to, to get out there and, and kind of see what's, what's going on in the world. That's amazing. And what you just said really is like the, is my biggest passion point, but also the most fundamental paradox right now, which is we are more connected than we've ever been. But at the same time, we're even more stuck in our echo chambers than we have ever been before. And so everything that I've been trying to do kind of on this journey of unifying, but discovering these new stories and perspectives and points of view is how can we expose ourselves to people outside of our own echo chamber, and especially on social media, we also tend to follow and like and subscribe to people who have similar ideologies to ourselves. And it's something that we do in practice in the communities that we grow up in, um, by no faults of our own, but just the environments we've been brought up in. And now social media mimics that behavior. So every day when we scroll on a newsfeed, we're just re-inculcating ourselves with the same ideologies. And so I think that's been a huge reason for the divide in our world and in our country and in our communities is that we just don't even conceive of other people's worldviews. And so with the conversationalist, I'm really on a journey to crack open those echo chambers and find creative ways to reverse that cycle. So if I were ever to recommend something to add to your 12 month journey of new tasks and new activities, one of my favorite things to recommend and it's a game I play with myself weekly, daily, I love it, is to find three to five people on social media who have a different perspective than you. It doesn't have to be the opposite, it doesn't have to be controversial, but even someone who was brought up in a completely different area of the world or from a completely different value set, um, and just adding those people to your newsfeed allows yourself to push push your own points of view beyond what you already conceive of. And so. I always love hearing from people about who they decided to follow and who they have decided to kind of use as the, the building blocks to expanding their worldviews. And so it's one of my favorite games to just push us to go against these systems that we're self-aware of, um, but actually doing something about it and starting to open up our eyes to other people, other platforms and other points of view. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do that. I'll send you a couple once I uh, get back on social media in a few weeks. Awesome. It is nice not being on it. I may, I may stay out off longer, but um, I feel bad not promoting some of the podcast episodes, but you know, it's hard, uh, but it's, it's better it's the way learning. that you're doing yeah. it. Exactly. I feel the pressure to always be plugged in and always be in the know of what's going on. And um, over the holidays, I even forced some of my family members to take my phone and lock it away somewhere because even when it was sitting next to me, I couldn't be present. So yeah. I really commend you on what you're doing, but I'm also excited to see who you end up following when you plug back in. Absolutely. All right. So we know where you're at now. How the heck did you get to this point? You go to, you're from Kansas, you go to Penn. What happened there? What, what did you, you started a, a nonprofit there. Did you come in as like the, the shy girl and all of a sudden come out of your shell or were you there like rearing, ready to go? Like what, tell, tell me a little about that journey. Okay. I, so I was always the risk taker. I was always the outgoing kid in my grade growing up. Um, but ironically, I always felt different than everyone else. I'm from Wichita, 
Utah, Kansas. I was the only Jewish student in my entire grade in high school and in the entire high school until my siblings joined later on. Um, and I think I just, for, for whatever reason, I always felt like I couldn't completely fit in. Um, whether I wanted to be associated as the, the token Jew or not, I just was. It was a label, it was a billboard written all over me. And for a lot of reasons, I just never felt like I could fully conform to what everyone else was doing in my grade. And so I always tried to be a change maker and start new things. And I ran for student body president every year and I auditioned for the lead in the musical every year. I was always putting myself out there, but I was never able to be put in those traditional leadership positions. I think I was always waiting for someone else's permission to give me a voice and give me that approval that I can go out and make a difference. So I was ready to go to college. I was running out the door as soon as I got into Penn, um, my dream school. And as soon as I got to campus, I immediately gravitated towards other Jewish student groups. I I wanted to see if it was normal to be Jewish in America because I didn't have that growing up. But before I knew it, I was joining every Jewish club under the sun. Um, and I was such a happy camper, you know, child. My, my younger self was very happy that I was joining groups of people who looked like me and thought like me. Um, but what ended up happening is I had this moment one day where I took a step back and I realized that what I was doing on campus in all of my Jewish clubs everyone else was doing the same exact thing with their respective identity groups. It was this culture that we came to campus, even though Penn really prides itself in its rich student diversity all over its website, the minute we get there, we aren't pushing ourselves to surround ourselves with different types of people. We immediately gravitate towards like-minded individuals. And there's a lot of communication theory that backs this, that really birds of a feather flock together. And so I wanted to do something about it. I was really taking for granted what I had growing up in Wichita. I missed having friends from all walks of life and learning about everyone's backgrounds and stories. And I just got really comfortable. And so one day I decided to try to change that culture. And I started a club, I called it Table Talk. Um, and the entire mission of the club was to bring people together on campus who wouldn't otherwise meet. We had different fun creative initiatives ranging from putting inflatable couches in the middle of campus and inviting strangers to meet someone new over small talk, um, ranging all the way to more facilitated dialogue around these difficult topics and anything in between. Really our goal was just to bring people together. And I started telling my friends about it from home and they would say to me, Sophie, that problem is literally the same thing on my campus. What can I do? How can I change this? How are you doing it? And so the idea started to expand um, and it really kind of diagnosed itself as a common cold. Every single campus, both college and high school, in some way preserves this system of splitting off into groups of like-minded people. And I just, I finally opened my eyes up to the idea that we're really doing ourselves a disservice by not surrounding ourselves with different types of people and different ideologies because I, I kind of live by this saying you know the moment when you realize that the rest of the world doesn't think like you that's when you grow and I feel like I had really lacked a lot of those moments at the beginning of my college career and my goal was to really reverse that and give that to other people as well so Table Talk started expanding um, and once I finished my master's in nonprofit leadership, I pursued Table Talk full time and we expanded to over 80 college and high school campuses. It was so much fun, um, really helping to create unique models on different campuses, all designed to bring people together. 
And so from that, I really learned so much about young adults and the the art of difficult conversation and the importance of difficult conversation and thus evolved into what is now the conversationalist. That's pretty uh, cool. What did you want? So you want to be president, obviously, but what else, did, what, what, what were you going to do when you grew up? What was the initial thought like back in high that school? That's a great question. Oh my gosh. I didn't really know. I, I had so many passions. I thought for a while I wanted to be a teacher, um, but I took an education course in college that really intimidated me. And I always felt, you know, the education system is so big. I'm never going to make that much of a dent or an impact. Um, it's such a, it's such an, inst- it's such an institution with a lot of hoops and ladders to jump through. And I cared so much about impacting young adults. Um, but once I learned that education wasn't necessarily the only way I could go with this, I thought, why not create something of my own? And so I feel so lucky to be doing what I'm doing, but I think growing up, I just always wanted to make a change. And so I didn't really understand that I could create that change on my own quite yet. Um, But going to college, I think really developed that entrepreneurial spirit within me to just go out and do it. Because if I'm not going to do it, who's to say someone else is? And I really wanted to go out and just start these conversations that no one else wanted to have. So, do you do you yeah. remember that the time back in college? I know you're you're not that old, so probably it wasn't that long ago. I don't think. <laughs> um, but like, did you have a lot of fear overcoming that to actually start the, to say, well, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Actually, trying to start this, or was it pretty straightforward? Like you knew what you were doing and you just rocked with it. I had a lot of fear. Um, again, growing up, I was never really gifted an official leadership position. So I didn't know what this looked like to really create it for myself. Um, And I think I was constantly waiting for others approval and validation to go out and do it. But once I started going for it, things started falling into place. It was very hard. I probably sent upwards of a thousand emails, um, reaching out to every student leader on campus, asking to get coffee. Um, I went to speak Um, in front of fraternity and sorority chapters, just spreading the word, um, trying to help people understand that this could be something so normal. Um, And all it's going to take is just this, um, it's just going to take social capital to get this into the mainstream. And so um, I think overcoming my fear of being able to just do it and understand that I can make a difference if I just believe a little bit in myself I was able to go for it, Um, but it definitely, and it's something I still struggle with today. I think I, I, I need to get out of my own way. I can sometimes be my, my own worst enemy. Um, But someone told me recently, and this has really stuck with me um, and it's become really my primary 2020 resolution. Um, I had a friend who said to me once, Sophie, how sad would it be at the end of your life? If not even you were on your own side and Mm -hmm. I think that really stuck with me and I'm trying my best to get out of my own way and believe in myself a little bit more to go out and make this change. So it's something I still struggle with, but I think in college, it felt like a safe laboratory to play with this idea. um, And it kind of cultivated the spirit within me that then kind of evolved to a nonprofit and now to a business. So I'm still learning every day, but it's definitely been difficult. Was that an easier transition then since it was out, since you already kind of started it in college? Because I'm assuming a lot of folks out there, I know probably, you know, back when I was in college, that seemed like a lifetime ago, but um, was, you know, you're, you're like, okay, I got to go get a job. 
I gave a good entry level job, work my way up the corporate ladder. Did you ever have that thought or was it like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Like I've already started this. I want to continue this path forward. So there's a lot of pressure, especially at a place like Penn to again, conform to what everyone else is doing. All of my friends were constantly recruiting for jobs and summer internships. Um, and of course there was a thought in my mind to just go along with what everyone else is doing and get a typical job nine to five. Um, but the minute I would start opening up applications, I could just feel this fire inside of me saying like, Sophie, what are you doing? You know that no matter what, even if you sit down at a desk job or you go into the corporate world, you're just going to be sitting there multitasking and trying to launch this business or trying to, you know, spread this nonprofit. Um, and so I think every time I would pick up an application, I would just say to myself, Sophie, you owe it to yourself to give yourself a chance. Um, so I think it just took some, again, getting out of my own way and my own head to really believe in myself enough to give it a fair shot. And so um, I'm still, I'm still kind of going back and forth sometimes seeing everyone around me um, because there aren't a lot of examples necessarily until I join next gen of people really starting their own path and starting to create something from scratch. And so I am guilty of constantly comparing myself to others, which is again, something I'm working on. Um, but I'm really happy that I'm on this path and grateful. Um, and I just really believe it can have an impact. There's a great quote that says comparison is the thief of joy. I have heard that quote and I completely agree. <laughs> it's tricky. Have you ever struggled with that? Oh, all the time. I mean, I, I, I was going to start this podcast in 2015. It took me almost two years because wow. I was so afraid of what other people, oh wait, they're doing this or they're this far in life or God, am I really thinking of doing you know a podcast because, and a podcast is a small thing. There's other things I want to do, but just that and the fear of actually overcoming that of, one of the things that's been the most important for me is to really block out um, all the noise. I take advice a lot. I have a lot of people that are close to me that I, you know, I really respect, but I'm talking, you know, the noise that is just out there of like, what the heck is this kid doing? Like, why is he trying to do that? You know, it's kind of the whole man in the arena thing, right? It's like, if someone's not in there actually trying it, I don't want to listen to them. Um, I'll listen to someone that like yourself, like I'll, I'll listen to what you're doing, where's going on because you, you're actually in it. You're trying, you're going through it, whether you succeed or fail, you're going to learn. So the, the reality is you're in it kind of with me, right? The folks that are on the sidelines, I'm, I don't need the armchair quarterbacks to listen to because they're not trying. I wish they would try because I think people would be more fulfilled. Um, but I don't, I don't think it helps me or helps anyone else kind of listening to that noise because a lot of it is negative, unfortunately. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I try to block out all the negativity. I'm like the three quarters of the glass full kind of guy. Uh, I'm very, I'm an optimist. Um, but you know, you, sometimes you have to, to block people out, unfortunately. Of course. And I love hearing you say that. I also consider myself a resident optimist, but again, like we've been speaking about over the course of this conversation, social media just amplifies those negative comments and that imposter syndrome. And I don't know, it's something that I think is a unique challenge of 2020 and the, the society we're living in, but it, I don't know, it's sometimes hard to get out of our own head. And so I'm trying to figure out some tactics and I think I need to follow your lead a little bit more and actually practice what we're preaching. You know, we we're putting out a whole week's worth of content about the negative effects between mental health and social media but my screen time right now is averaging upwards of four to six hours a day because I'm so plugged in and I'm really trying to, you know, 
launched this company via social media, but I think I just need to be better about practicing what we preach and really trying to manifest a lot of these topics that we're bringing into the world because it's easier said than done. And I think it's okay. It's, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. And my whole thing is like, I don't judge any, I don't need to judge anyone. Like they can do whatever, everyone can do whatever they want. As I've, I've always said this, cause I used to be a complainer. I used to be like, why does that person have this or this person doing that? And then I, after I had better self-awareness, probably, you know, four or five years ago, it was really like, no, Brian, it's your fault. You're not putting the time and effort in. You're not believing in yourself. And once I uncovered that, once I started to get on that path, it was an unbelievable game changer. So that's where I always encourage other folks, like watch your TV, go on social media, do whatever. But as long as you're fulfilled in life, like if you're as happy as can be, do whatever you want. But it's when you start complaining about God, I don't, I hate my job or I don't like to do this or that you can change it. And I think you'd mentioned something earlier about kind of being later in your life. I kind of take a, I take a similar approach. I kind of say like, I don't want to be 90 sitting on the, um, you know, sitting on the, uh, the porch with the the grandkids, if you will, rocking in the chair and saying, you know, I could have done this, or I, I was thinking about doing this. I don't want that regret. And that's the big thing that kind of keeps me driving right now is just the fact that whether, you know, I think social media is important because again, if you're trying to build a business and you're trying to get awareness, I think that's a spot for it. That's where the attention is. Um, there's also other ways that, yeah, you can manage maybe your time potentially. I don't know. Right. That's something I've even thought in February going back is maybe I only say, Hey, on Mondays and Saturdays, I'm on social media. Um, and, and the other times I'm off, I, I haven't figured out that cadence yet, but I, that's something I'm definitely considering because I don't want to go back. I think I was averaging probably four to five hours a week. Um, probably a lot less than I used to be, but it, it was still becoming a, an issue. Um, and what I've noticed recently, this is funny is like, I've even, I think it was la- like the second day. So I think it was on Thursday last week, um, you know, January 2nd, I literally picked up my phone, I think six times to look at it to like open Instagram and it wasn't there cause I deleted all the apps. So, I, but it's one of those things it's been good the last few days, but it's just one of those things. I think it's just, you have to, you know, you have to keep working with yourself and keep believing that you're on the right path. Uh, whatever that is. Of course. And it takes the proper amount of time and perspective to be able to kind of see the forest from the trees. Cause especially when you're starting a business or you're running a podcast and there's just so many things, there's so many things going on all the time that it's hard to take a step back. Um, but Rich Keller actually was one to really help me understand that there's no race to the finish line. Again, it's all about impact and adding value to others' lives. And there's, there's no rush as long as we're, we're doing what we were put on this earth to do, it's, it's a matter of happiness and perspective. And so I'm really trying to channel that into the new year. So what's, go, what, what's the, the big vision for the conversation list? What, what are you excited for the next, you know, six months, year into 2021? Oh, there's so many things on my vision board. Um, a few things in development that I will talk about very soon. But I think the, the vision is twofold. One, I have this ultimate vision in one day to really just continue to focus on a simple perspective. If I, again, like you were painting the picture of the grandparent in a rocking chair on the porch with the grandkids, if I can share to my grandkids one day that I even changed one person's perspective or opened up one person's mind to consider of someone else's point of view, I will feel fulfilled. That's really the name of the game. I just want to help 
and empower young people to understand that their voices matter, their opinions matter, but it's also equally as important to value someone else's perspective. And so that's my ultimate vision um, that kind of is my guiding light um, as I continue to build this platform. Um, but I think a more immediate vision, especially for this year, you know, today, tomorrow, weeks from now, six months from now, is to really, really start evolving back into the face-to-face -face space. I am such a proponent of the power of human connection. And those were the core tenets of really what, what I've learned throughout building Table Talk and throughout college and grad school. But we really wanted to dabble in the digital space to reach more people, see what it could look like, start building a platform that really reaches people where they are. And so I'm really hoping to just keep in the back of my mind that whatever we're building, the vision is to bring it back to the face-to-face -face space. So in a year from now, I envision it being you know, more in-person meetups and summits and a leadership academy and really bringing our community together. Um, and really creating our digital footprint right now to connect um, and leveraging technology to further connect in person. So that's really my vision right now is to help open up people's minds, again, break the echo chamber, um, but really utilize technology instead of demonizing it to bring people together. So that's really what's on the horizon for this year. Um, and I'm excited to continue to see what conversation can do. How do you manage all, all those different things that are going on? Like, do you, is there, if anything, is there anything you delegate out to others to do, or do you kind of take it all right now and just try to answer it all? Uh, it's tricky. Um, I'm sure you can relate, but I, I'm the only, at least right now, I'm the only full-time employee who really shares this passion and this drive to the mission where I'll wake up in the middle of the night with an idea and need to write it down right away, or I can't fall asleep at night because there are so many things on my mind. I just wake up every day with this passion to go out and bring people together. And right now I've delegated a few small things because I'm learning that I can't do it all on my own. Um, so I have amazing social media help. I have an incredible video producer, um, incredible podcast producers. Um, and so I hope to continue building a team of people that are equally as passionate about the mission. Um, and so that's again on the vision board for 2020. Um, what about you? Do you have people helping you bring this to life? No, no, nope. this it's is all, hard. well, I mean, I do have like, you know, I just got a, a friend as a, a editor for this new book. I have, you know, a good friend that's doing the illustration. So I, I think it always takes a village with anything you're trying to do. I mean, I can't do this pot. I mean, I could do this podcast, just me talking, but I can't do the podcast without folks like yourself that are actually dedicating their time to being guests and, and giving content, if you will. So, I mean, I think there's always people um, that, that are helping out and involved. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for a lot of folks, you know, yeah, the rich kellers of the world and I have some other mentors and stuff. Um, so I, I think it always takes a village. Amen to that. I would be nowhere where I am without the people behind me. Um, and I just want to continue to build the right ecosystem of a team um, to bring the vision to life as opposed to just simply delegating the work. So it's a process. Um, but it's just really inspiring getting to meet people like you who are living out their passions. And I'm just hopeful that if we can really continue to commit to these passion projects that have become our work, then we can really make the world a better place. Absolutely. Where can everyone find you online or subscribe to the conversationalist or 
So we're on all social media platforms at our name, at The Conversationalist. Our website is theconversationalist.com. Um, and same with my social media. It's just my first and last name, Sophie Barron. Um, and if anyone's interested in getting more involved, we have an ambassador program. We have a community online. Um, we have a, a newsletter every week. So there are a million ways to get involved. Um, and I would love to help amplify anyone's voices who might be interested. Awesome. All right. I always like to end on this note because I, when I, I listen to a ton of podcasts and I always kind of jot down in a notebook, different things, you know, that can help me in kind of future endeavors. So if someone was doing the same thing on listening to this conversation, is there one thought, maybe it's a quote you live by something that you would share with them as kind of a lasting impression that they should be looking for going forward? That is such a great note to end on, by the way. I love that. Um, I think I'm going to summarize it. I'm going to summarize two points into one. One is this idea of getting out of your own way. I think if we can really challenge ourselves to allow ourselves to be our own cheerleaders rather than enemies, we could accomplish so much more if we can just start to believe in ourselves. And then going off of that, if we can just start to expand our perspectives by abiding by my mantra, I wear it on a ring on my finger, the minute we realize that the the rest of the world doesn't think like us, that's when we grow. And I just, I live and breathe by that mantra. And I think if we can all start pushing ourselves, whether it's following a new account on social media or, you know, walking up to someone in line next to us at a coffee shop, if we can just take those small steps to expand our worldviews, we will grow more than we ever thought we could. So I think this has been an awesome conversation. I'm, I'm so glad we finally got to do this and, and connect and uh, hope to, hope this won't be the last time. Hope we'll connect a lot more uh, as we go along down the road. Thank you so much. Me too, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to continue to watch your podcast grow and your platform and your books. Um, just really so happy we connected. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview and look forward to having you on the next one. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along in your day, if you don't mind, head over to iTunes, leave me a quick review on the podcast, let me know how I'm doing. It's the only way I can make this better and better and get it out to more folks, hopefully to inspire them to get on a path of fulfillment in their own life. And connect with me further online, at Brian Andreco on Instagram and Twitter, or my website, brianandreco.com. You know, I'm truly grateful for the opportunity to put this podcast out and have it as well received as it has been. So I thank you for being a part of that. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.